Well, welcome, Shauna. This has been quite an experience getting to this point. I'll explain it to everyone before we start this video, but thanks for joining us this morning. This conversation is happening at 920, right before the service. Uh, and we're grateful that you're able to, to join us in this way and help us uh, think this through. So this conversation uh, came about because uh, I asked Shauna to lead our house group. She's part of a virtual house group that I lead every week. I asked her to lead the group while I was away at chapter camp two weeks ago, and uh, she was the first to talk about the chapter on healthy correction. And because you're a psychologist and you have an interesting perspective, and also because you, I think you agreed with some, but this, but, but, you know, there were some issues with the chapter as well. I thought that it would be good uh, for us to do some of this discussion with the church as a whole. I also heard from my wife and from others that the house group had, it was a really fascinating discussion time. So thanks for being willing to do this with us. I appreciate it. How are you doing, by the way? How's Florida right now? And well, it's um, my uh, temperature gauge outside said it was 100 degrees, and I'm surviving and um, thriving in this weather, and thankful for it. So you know, it's all good. I got my fans going. I'm not a fan of air conditioning, so. I want to acclimate myself because they keep saying it's going to get worse in July and August. Yeah. Wow. Well, I hope you, uh, you are, you're able to do that. Well, I'm not sure I could, I think if I, the temperature hit hundred, I'd have the air on and the windows closed. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Anyways. So if you, if you don't mind, um, I'd love to jump right into the chapter. Uh, so Great. I, so I know that you struggled a bit with some of the things. And one of the first things was the discussion route that he had around brain science so what did you think about brain science in this chapter? I'd really love to hear your perspective. Yeah, I just, I just kept wondering, like, what, what does this add to my understanding? Um, I just felt it was irrelevant, and, and I disagreed with some things, and, and then thought, you know, I'm, I'm not really fully understanding where he's coming from with this. So it just, it just seemed to muddy the waters for me. Did, was there anything about it that you found helpful or anything about brains? You've talked, a, you, you, last time you taught, you talked about the, um, how our brain mimics. Yeah. Um, how do you think that applies to this chapter, fits in this chapter? Well, I, I really think that imitation is an important part of, of what we're talking about when it comes to correction, because it allows us for, to do empathy. So empathy is a huge thing. Um, and then regulating emotion is a very important part of the brain. And, you know, I'll kind of hint at that a little bit throughout the talk, but uh, those parts, but those parts, um, you know, touched on a little bit about what he mentioned, the prefrontal cortex, but, you know, I would have gone a different direction if I was trying to bring in um, neuroanatomy. And, and just, it, just give me a little piece of that. What would you have focused on? Hey, I also want to add, you know, that, that I always go back to the Bible and go, if my psychology does not coincide, integrate with the word of God, then I start doubting the psychology stuff. And so, um, you know, to uh, kind of examine how we process emotion is very important. But also in the Bible, it's not really the brain. You know, in the Bible, it talks about mind, but mind is sort of the brain and the whole body. And also, uh, you know, the, the seat of thoughts and emotions are the heart uh, where there are brain neurons, you know. So I, I think I also struggled with that part too. But 
imitation is important because of empathy and it's complicated and I don't want to muddy the waters again by getting into that is so, you know, get with me, I guess, alone if you want to hear the whole backstory to how the brain does emotions. Yeah, no, that's good. That's helpful, right? I mean, there, yeah. I, I get the idea that the that in the past they may have not considered the brain as important to emotions and now we may overemphasize the brain as important to emotions and take out the impact of the rest of the body on how our, how we experience emotions as well. But yeah, that's another conversation it would be really good to have. Yeah, it gets, uh, it gets kind of de deep, but you can just think the brain is connected to the entire body. Right. So how the brain processes emotions is going to affect how the whole body feels. Yeah, oh, that's good, yeah. And how the whole body feels affects how the brain processes emotions, right? Yep. Yeah, that's a holistic approach to things. I like that. Well, yeah. the other issue, and this is the one I want to spend most of our time focusing around, was this word. He really emphasized this idea of healthy shame. And uh, and so, so I'm going to ask a loaded question here, right? Is there such a thing at, from your perspective as healthy shame? And when is shame unhealthy? So um, first of all, I, I just want to say that we are created to feel that God gave us this ability to have emotions. Shame, however, and, and guilt are very unique in that, that, first of all, they just don't seem to have come with that original creation. As best as I can tell, shame emerged after the fall. All, you know, all of that, I mean, prior to, uh, you know, the Bible, the Bible says that man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. And then after the fall, they immediately covered themselves. They broke their relationship off with God. And shame really interferes with relationships. Okay. So I don't really buy into that term, healthy shame. Okay. But yes, yes. Hold a second. Hold that thought. Yep. yep. Sorry. Sorry for the brief interruption. We've been having all kinds of uh, technical difficulties with the internet. So if you could pick up where you were at about you don't agree with this idea that there is anything uh, like healthy, unhealthy or healthy shame. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because shame really does interfere with relationships. So I really, I don't buy into the, the term healthy shame. Right. However, okay, shame is a reality, being a fallen human being. And if processed effectively, um, meaning that it was countered by some internal dialogue that we have, um, we do then approach others, we, we get it balanced with empathy, then it does serve a purpose in society because it does trigger this desire to avoid the intensely painful feeling. And yeah. that means it's going to influence the choices that we make. Right. So right. shame uh, is unhealthy or ineffective when there's no relief. And shaming someone, as far as we can tell, is pretty ineffective, um, especially if that person struggles with shame. So shame is destructive when that person can't process the emotion. And then they just get pulled into this self-loathing. They remain there without reaching it to others, without remedying it. The Bible does say in 1 John 1, 9, you know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Um, shame, too, when it's very intense, can cause us to either try to change the standard so we don't feel the, the shame anymore or it can cause us to blame the person who's shaming us, just turn it right around on them and not really benefit from any kind of correction. So it's, it's like, be careful with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so 
I remember we had this, we were talking about this before. Uh, you had mentioned the idea that maybe it would have been better if he not used the word unhealthy or healthy shame, but had rather focused on guilt. So yeah, how, would you, how would you differentiate between those two? Um, so again, just to give you a context, both of them are basic emotions. When, uh, when we perceive, real or not, that there is an expectation or a moral you know, standard that's been violated. It, it is important to know, to connect it with the Bible, that in Hebrew and ancient Greek languages, they were really put together, shame and guilt. Nowadays, in the last few hundred years, we've teased them apart. And so modern thinking is they're two different things. Hmm. Guilt in the Bible is associated with sin. Shame and guilt. Um, yeah, so the soul and spirit, of course, were a part of processing all of that stuff. And um, that your personal health in the Bible had to do with the condition of your heart. So uh, really, how I explain this is based on modern psychology. And, and this is, they both trigger this urge to hide. So that's how they're similar, but they differ in how it's processed. And, and that has to do with perceptions, thoughts, beliefs. So um, it's how that person views what happened. Guilt, in both cases, can be that first feeling. However, shame takes over and the person perceives the whole person as bad. I am bad. That's shame. So, so I am bad. Right. So the one is I did something wrong. The other is I am that bad thing. Right. I, so okay. it can begin with I did something wrong. For shame, it just goes pervasive and deep. And it's I am bad. And it starts to really just take over the person. But guilt is going to lead a person to say, well, what I did was wrong. Kind of note to self, don't do it again. Right. Um, they might seek repair. Right. I, this doesn't define me. It's it my, but it's an action instead that I need to address. That's good. Right. Yeah, so yeah. You, you had mentioned to me too, that you've asked your clients about this. Right. Talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. So when we started talking about this in depth and reading this book on, you know, the chapter on correction, and then I'm reading a book called The Soul of Shame and then reading a few things Brene Brown has talked about. I thought, man, it's really an important psychological term. Started asking all my clients, which is quite a few in the last few weeks. And I've only had one person admit to shame. And, and that has to do with our society today. No, nobody wants to feel shame. Um, yeah, nobody wants to. There's a lot of blaming going on. There's a lot of, I'm just going to change you know, the standards that I have to meet, I'm going to hang around with people who have the same expectations I do for behavior. Um, nobody wants to feel it. So guilt is okay to feel for people, I guess. Yeah, so. You, you had, but you had mentioned too, as you were talking with them, I think, tell me if I got this wrong, that what you thought they were actually experiencing was shame because it was defining who they are. Oh, yeah, there were quite a few of them that said, no, 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 it's guilt. But how they were describing it to me, and I could see it on their faces and how they were living their life, I thought, it, it really is shame. This is very deep. Yeah. I don't have to correct them about the term they use, but I could realize that what we're going to be working on is shame rather than guilt. Yeah. So how do you, so here's the interesting, God created us this way. We'll talk a little bit. I right? made our brains and our bodies like this. Mm -hmm. What What do you, what do you believe the purpose of this is? Why? Did he create us to, then we, why do we experience shame or guilt? 
is this a is this the fall right or is yeah, I don't know where to go fall. with this question. But. So yeah, so how I view it really is the fall. Um, you know, but we we probably had that ability there, you know, to, because it wouldn't wouldn't have just come. Or I I guess maybe if I look at the theology, this this means more study for me. Yeah. But it could actually be a part of that whole death coming into into our existence. We were unified in our relationship with God yeah. before that that guilt or that sinful act, which he, you know, ancient Hebrews connected the two. Guilt is sin. Okay. So, um, you know, they, they sinned and with it came immediately this, this shame, but you know, God always has a way of, of giving us a way of out and the ability to handle things. So, uh, this, this, how it serves is to, um, to fix an error. So if we feel guilt, it's going to drive us to repair a relationship or a bumper on a car. It'll, we'll repay that debt. We'll seek forgiveness. We'll make right things that have been made wrong. We'll seek to clear our conscience. It really does drive us to be right with God. Um, People who are wrestling with shame and guilt do start asking these really huge questions about what is, what is the meaning of this? How do I fix it? I'm so confused. So we might withdraw at first, but then eventually it's going to push us because it's miserable. It's going to push us to approach guilt, will, yeah. um, shame, which sometimes begins with that guilt, um, may keep us from doing the wrong thing again, you know, because I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be this whole person. Mm-hmm. So in a mild form, I did buy into that term that I discovered in the research, mild shame. You know, in a mild form of shame, you know, we're, we're going to mo- be motivated to um, avoid that same error in the future because we don't want to be ashamed, right. you know. Well, so, go, going along this line, though, how do you how does this connect with what he was talking about in the chapter about it? I, if I would put it uh, in my own words, it feels like everything that we've talked up until now is connected with this idea and the and the big threat the big threat um that shame brings us is being disconnected from that com- that right. love community or the people that that we find joy in and that love us so let's see you know i i was kind of driven for, to this examination because there were, i kept running into things that i didn't agree with hmm. or that i was really troubled by yep so i never really spent a lot of time going back and going how does this tie in maybe there's a you know something that's that is helpful kind of in what he's saying. Every time I went back to sort of do that, I just kept finding more things that I'm like, oh, this muddies the waters and makes things really confusing. But I do think the whole thing about relationships, he has something that he's talking about, passed, you know, um, that loyal love. Uh, you know, we want to be that people who of, of Hesed. We want to work on that character qualities so that, you know, when we are confronted by, you know, a situation where we have to correct, we want to correct, we, we love that person, we want to bring them into rightness, you know, that we, um, you know, do, do it kind of with a, a certain kind of perspective of appreciation for the relationship. So I, I think that that aligns with what he's talking about is Hesed. 
Can you think of anything else, Peter? That well, I, I, you, you did make a, a comment yesterday when we were talking that a re my relationship with God, you said, should make me want to stop doing anything nasty just to be so that I can be with him, right? Yes. I want, to, I, so I want to be like the person I love. Yeah, and I felt like he was saying that about the church body, yeah. you know? I mean, we are an extension of God's body, right? Yeah. You know, but I, but I sometimes get concerned about mm -hmm. Um, conforming to hum other human beings rather than conforming to God and yeah. putting God in the center. It's just so easy as a human being to be really prideful and you just follow me as I'm following God seems to be a real downfall. But you and did, you, you get, I, I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I hear you on that on the, but on the positive note, you gave a great example of someone being Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Your, your daughter-in-law, could you yeah. share that? story so, the great example of chapter, healthy yeah healthy yeah reading the chapter made reminded me of an uh, experience i had being at betsy and christian's house so one of the kids came up to betsy while she and i were catching up with each other and the child started to tell a story as children do you know this is what happened at school and was just conveying it and it was obvious that there was confusion there there was um something you know that was touching upon ethical and moral things really kind of the ethical and moral things that I as an adult struggled to sort through that this child was trying to sort through and so confusion which uh you know the child has such a relationship that they felt free to come and kind of lay out their confusion and concern and with this story and they weren't too terribly distressed, but you could kind of feel it. Well, Betsy, beautifully, really in tune to her children. She like leans down. So it's a whole posture thing. She's giving eye contact. Of course, she's, you know, just completely disrupts what we're saying, because this is, this is her whole world, this loyal love she has for her child. And she listens very attentively. I'm sure it kind of was going into her head as she's connected with the child. And she, she listened and she said, she validated, which I think is, is a part of empathy we really need to do more of. Like, I'm connected and I understand. So she labels what he never ever, or she never ever says is, or both. Okay, I'm trying to not be specific here. But um, so the child says, uh, uh, no, I lost my train of thought. Just that was confusing. She labels the emotion, which is what validation is. You could see that child's body just kind of relaxed. And then she says, um, you know, this, this is what we believe as a family. And, and I did think that resonated with the, the chapter. This is what we believe in the family. And then she goes on to talk about God and belief in God. So refers it back to God, which um, I think was really beautiful. I think that was effective because the child immediately responds with like oh yeah yeah that's right and you could see this confidence definitely um joy was restored where maybe confusion had been so maybe that does tie into the joy the chapter is yeah. trying to tie in but you could just see this happiness confidence and off they skipped <laughs> like <laughs> this whole thing maybe took like two or three minutes yeah. I was in awe because I thought, how simple can it be to sort of move someone back on the tracks yeah. to kind of get them right? 
Yeah. Um, where what I saw was missing from what he was talking about is I didn't detect that there was shame. I think it could have been the soil where shame could grow if Betsy's response would have been a tone of voice and the irritation. If she would have said, you know, like, oh, this is unimportant. Why didn't you talk to me about this later? I mean, real shame could have could have taken root there. Yeah. So I don't think shame has to happen in order for correction to, to happen. Yeah, no, that's that's a great example. So one, one last uh, thing, you also pointed out a story in scripture you felt really fit well how Jesus addressed uh, yeah. shame and guilt in a person. Just So I think it's similar in Jesus when he comes upon the Samaritan woman. Of course, being God, he knows who's going to meet. He knows what this is going to be involved. And he does know everything about her. And she detects, you know, already we setting up about the shame because, you know, who are you, you know, talking to a Samaritan woman? So there's some shame involved in like her identity as a Samaritan, but also as we discover probably in that she's not um, uh, abiding by the law because there's adultery that's involved. And many people have conjectured she's coming at a time of day when People just don't go to the well, but guaranteed to be alone. And she was alone. And so Jesus never addresses those things that if we were hung up on the law, you might think that he would address, you know, the adultery, right? That's the law. He's, you know, he didn't pick up a stone and, and strike her. He was filled with this loyal love for her and this empathy and, and you have to read between the lines in that story to really see this connection that he has with her because she, she wants to keep talking. He offers hope. Hope can be a really important part of corrections. It keeps a person from kind of going into the whirlpool of shame because I, you know, I can give you water. And you're never going to be thirsty again. And the two of them, knowing the specialness of this well, you know, they, they were kind of speaking this language that was about the thing without being the thing. Yeah. And when she skips away, it is, this is a person who knows me and she doesn't say this and he doesn't judge me. Yeah. He simply says, go and sin, right? Something to the effect of go and sin no more. Yeah. You know, I saw yeah. that. I see that over and over again in the scriptures of how Jesus corrects kind of preemptive in some cases this teaching, repeat teaching, this patience, love, you know, love is patient, love is kind. He's looking for this fruit of the spirit, not abiding by the law. Yeah, right. So he doesn't offer advice or correction in the normal sense where you did this wrong. Here's what you should do again in the future. He offers himself, right? Yeah, he lays that aside, becoming a man. You know, he lays that aside and he aligns with her one-on-one. -on -one. There's no power differential, no structure of judgment. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. beautiful. Thank, thank you, thank you, Shauna. This is great. This is another kind of a help us move along as we think about what it, what it will look like for us in order to really love each other and yeah. you know, become the yeah. community we're created to be. So good. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity. So this All is right. a great format, Peter. <laughs> you have a wonderful day. Bless you. You too. Bye-bye. Turn to someone sitting next to you and just, you can talk, you can talk about anything, but the questions I asked were, what did you learn about people? What did you learn about God? 
in the midst of that? Or maybe just, what did you like about this conversation? It's up to you. So, sounds like you guys are having a great discussion. I want to, let's make a little bit of this more communal for us all together, all right? So, uh, did anything like really strike you? This is really fascinating or interesting, or I want to talk more about this um, from the discussion that I had with Shauna. Okay, just, you, we'll come back, we'll come back more. I don't make sure it's on. Hold on. Am I not pushing? I'm not pushing the right button because there it is. All right. Yeah. On the subject of shame, is it on? Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I don't remember her saying, but that kept ringing for me: guilt somehow ties in, for me anyway, to the law and to something I can do something about. Like you said, it's an action. You did a wrong action, and it's an action that can be redeemed. Shame is, I am bad. Right. Got that. The, in, the interesting thing for me about shame, though, is it doesn't necessarily have to involve a sin. Yeah. You can be ashamed of things that are perfectly fine. Yeah. But your relationship with the people around you or your culture has put shame on you. I mean, the classic initial example is they were naked. That was how they were made. And yet they felt shame about it. So there's, it's, that persists in our culture to be ashamed of how you look, to be ashamed of how much money you have. I'm starting to feel ashamed that the way my lawn looks because I'm being committed to allowing it to grow for the pollinators, this thing no mow may is what we're trying to do. And all of a sudden, yesterday, my neighbor mowed, my other neighbor mowed, now look at my lawn. It's crazy. And I feel... Yeah. (laughs) I feel shamed of my lawn. Um, So... Shame can be based on a lie. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Yeah, and that's, I don't know yeah. that I heard her lift that up. No, she didn't, but we didn't yeah, talk about that. That's an yeah. excellent point. Yeah, but it does involve yeah. what's the nature of your relationship with your neighbors, and I think that's what we talked about a little bit is how you connect with those neighbors, and is that a relationship based on truth Yeah. and healthy boundaries and you know that shame can come in that relationship with yourself too. So I'm I'm really praying about this thing. Plus, I almost let the tub run over yesterday, and I felt deeply ashamed. But he caught it, and it was like I just thinking these things that really shame can be based or find its attachment to stuff that is really not important. Yeah, yeah, and it's important to name that too, it's, right? But it makes me right. I am bad. Yeah, I'm so and bad. It's important to name it. It's important to recognize that that isn't those like the. State of your lawn isn't something that defines who you are. Right? Well, D- D- Diana, 
basically stole my thunder there because we were we, we were just thinking along the yeah along the same lines. I, I guess what what struck me is that that guilt is something that's a little bit more approachable yeah. and and can be dealt with in a more direct way because guilt attaches to perhaps specific behaviors. Yeah. I commit something wrong, I feel culpable, uh, I feel guilty about it, and it's something that hopefully can be addressed. Shame seems to be related more to who I am, personal identity. Right. It's more pervasive. Right. And uh, shame can sometimes be a result of false expectations that are projected on us by culture, right. other relationships, et cetera. So yeah. I'll have to, I'm up for next week, so I'll have to, yeah, I'll you have have to, to think about this. Give it some more time. thought, Mark. All right. <laughs> Anyone else want to throw in the thoughts that they had? Linda? doesn't have to be about what we were just talking about. It could be something new. I just wanted to make the quick observation that it's a seems to be a topic we all like feel deeply and I think that's a sign that's a good topic to press into that's all I want to observe thank you I, I oh, wonder sorry. if the when Jesus said go and sin no more if he was talking about the shame like that she should let go of the shame hmm. just a thought yeah because yeah. at some level if you start to believe that's who you are then what stops you from acting out that way there you go um, I just want to say that when you feel guilty about something, the best thing to do is to admit it to yourself. Hey, I'm guilty. I did something wrong. I need to correct it. Right. And hey, you automatically healed and forgiven right then. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's an easy thing. And I mean, anything like that, you, you confess to the Lord and you're forgiven too. That's good. Someone else? Well, we talked a little bit about uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness is sometimes the yeah. area that we didn't talk about, but it's a challenge to ask for forgiveness, to forgive another person, and uh, that's where I have a little problem with if I offended somebody or other, and that's my thought anyway. Yeah, yeah it's interesting how if you think about the examples, the um, uh, Mary and Martha, even the talk that I did the week before, Peter, ties in with this. And then this other example that she brought up today, the Samaritan woman, there, at no point was there confession and repentance, which is still important, but there already was this implied forgiveness, and that came in, in the form of a relationship. Yeah, it's good. Another nuance I've encountered as far as differentiating guilt from shame uh, recognizes a cultural dimension. And yeah. so European cultures tend to have guilt as the dominant, I've done something wrong, this is bad, oh, I feel bad. Yeah. And I've read that you know, in, in uh, Eastern cultures where, there, where there's more of a communitarian basis right. for the sense of identity, that shame is stronger and, and it doesn't necessarily have the negative connotations or attachments that we are identifying here insofar as it, because the community is so important, shame is more focused on not I did something wrong, but I have broken relationship yeah. with my community and I've let my community down. And so yeah. I, I just offer that for reflection and for caution that we not overgeneralize yeah, even as we're 
you know, trying to grapple with these distinctions. Yeah, I, and I would say, you know, having some experience in both cultures, because um, working with a lot of Asian American students on campus, and in the context of my organization, it doesn't, you can use, whether you call it guilt or shame, it's sometimes it can be used inappropriately or manipulatively, right? right? That's one of the things we need to really be aware of and careful not to do. It's not about controlling the people and getting them to do what you want, it's about that relationship, whether it's to community or to individuals, that's good. Yeah. You gotta ask in the microphone. Sure. So. Just a question um, that Kermit's remark just reminded me, the concept of bringing shame on your family, oh, yeah. or on your house, or on your people, um, how does that figure in here? Because I can't think of a phrase like give, bringing guilt. Like I've, I've, I've done something, or my kids have done something, and now I'm guilty as well. Yeah. But I can feel shame. Right. I, 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 yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good question, and I don't know. I don't feel like I'm qualified to answer that. You know, because I do think it. There's some truth as well as some form of trying to pressure the person in order to conform. Right, so that's where it gets a little bit difficult. And I, yeah, I don't think, should, good question. Don't know the answer, yes, good. Well, you know what, we're gonna, this is a fascinating discussion, but more for us to think about like, how can we help each other, right? Be in our relationship with one another, with our body and with Christ, because that's what this is about. Right? And, and when we're doing things, we're acting in ways that are interrupting in that relationship. And we know that, right, sin, if we use that word, right, which is appropriate, um, uh, it has an impact on relationship. And it impacts our relationship with God and with one another. So how do we help each other kind of walk uh, in a way that's free from sin and shame? Right? That's, this is a great conversation. So thank you. So Mark's going to bring us teaching next week. You should go and lay hands on him now because he's... He's got all, he's going to have all the answers. So we're going to all get, let's all gather around Mark now and lay hands on him. Yeah, Mark's like, great. What have I done? My, yeah.